0: Greetings, everyone. You're listening to Niner National, a show where we discuss all manners of international topics and cultural diffusion. I'm your host, Wyatt Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's get cracking. Hi, how's it going, everyone? My name is Wyatt Smith. I'm the host of this here podcast, Niner National. And today, I am joined by.
1: Vittoria Mukiuchi.
0: <laughs> Vittoria Mukiuchi. Am I pronouncing that right?
1: Yeah. Vittoria. Vittoria. Basically, Victoria with the sea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you are from Brazil, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I'm from Brazil. I come from a small city inside São Paulo, inside the states of São Paulo. And uh, I'm actually a country girl, even that I don't really <laughs> look like I am. <laughs>
0: makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Yeah, my major is architecture, and. Uh, <laughs> I think it's basically that.
0: Basically that? Oh, no, surely there's more to you than that.
1: Mm, I'm 19 years.
0: Um. We're going to find out, right? That's (laughs) the whole point of the podcast, getting everybody to know you. So how did you wind up in the United States? And, um, you know, tell me why your major, why arts and architecture, and why UNC Charlotte? You know, what took you from Western Sao Paulo all the way to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte? Let's hear that story.
1: So starting by my major, I know what I went to study science high school because it was always very clear to me because I'm a very artist person and I was actually kind of good at math, so I thought it would be perfect to be an architect. And uh, in Brazil, high school works in a different way. That means we don't really choose which classes we can make or not. And basically our whole year is decided by the school. So we, you sign up and you say the same thing as everyone else in your class. It's the same people every single day. So it's very hard to really find your personality in the middle of that. So th- what I could do, it's kind of rare, like be able to choose something so early. And after getting out of high school, I got in, like in a college in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And with my first years there, I mean, yeah, I stayed at like a year and a half. And how more I studied about architecture, more sure I am that I like this and I enjoy this. It's everything about, it's not just the house itself. It's not just how a house works. It's you messing up with the dream of someone. When you build a house, it's where that person's going to live every single day. It needs to have the personality of the person. It needs to be <laughs> perfect. You need to learn how the person works and what the person really wish for the house. So <laughs> I I really enjoy that. That makes me very excited to do anything. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, you know, if I'm getting this straight, kind of the importance of architecture to you is... Um, you know, making people's dreams come true in a sort of way and designing houses that are conducive to people living their dreams, designing houses that um, help people pursue the lifestyles they want to live because, you know, when you're living in a house, that house is really the basis for everything that you do. You know, it, it puts a roof over your head while you go about life, while you go about work, so you've got to like the place that you live. Is that right?
1: Exactly. It's a lot of responsibility because... Even a small detail can make the whole difference. Like a collar, a door that don't close it so well, uh, a well-placed air conditioner, the position of the windows, everything. And I love to study and find ways to everything work out together.
0: It's kind of the thrill of design, you know, creating something that comes together in a great way. Like you mentioned windows. I know that windows, um, it's a great way to retain heat. You know, solar heat comes through, warms up the house. Of course you're the architect here, so <laughs> you tell me more about that.
1: Exactly. It's not just about light, it's about temperature. There is places that you can't actually put because it's going to turn too hot, because too much light can mean too much hot. Right, <laughs> right. Um the windows for me it's one of the most important part of the place because imagine you live in a room with no window. Feels more like a prison and like fake, fake lighting than really your life feels like you're underground exactly that's why i hate ikea (laughs) 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 Mm, i can see that it's a huge place yeah it (laughs) always
0: feels like i'm in a bunker like i'm in a swedish underground bunker that sells furniture
1: yeah i think that place it's not actually designed for you to stay a long time no like it's how about the floor like flows you just follow Purely utilitarian exactly it's just
0: a big block
1: some places are just made for you to don't stay so much time.
0: Yeah, some places just um, repel you when you when you enter them. If you exactly,
1: will. like lighting. Mostly, it's about that. Like when the light is too much clear, the person wants you to complete attention. And for restaurants, for example, that makes you eat faster. So mm. places like McDonald's that has really bright and white lights want you to just go away, like eat get out of the table and go
0: interesting i never knew that and then darker restaurant fancy restaurants tend to be darker because they want you to stay and order three four courses they want you to get an appetizer and dessert because you're enjoying the environment you're having a pleasant time whereas when you're getting waterboarded with light you kind of kind of can't wait to get out
1: exactly and that's why it's so important for like in a working place, it needs to be bright. You need all the attention on there. Right. Or a bathroom, you need all the light. Right. A kitchen.
0: Right, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Going back to your story about how you wound up at oh. UNC Charlotte. We got Sorry. a little sidetracked there, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> totally fine. I
1: get kind of lost when I talk about architecture. but Clearly, you're very yeah. passionate. <laughs> Okay, so I already explained the part of architecture, So, why United States? Why I chose United States? When the quarantine started, I was feeling very like repa- repressed about my art and about the learning itself, being very lonely. So I decided to start to l- like learn a new language. So. It can sound kind of weird, but I could actually learn English just during the quarantine. I speak no English on the time, or very little one. <laughs>
0: You've clearly come a very long way.
1: Yeah. And after that, that helped me to survive a little bit on the quarantine it Made like sense to study something. And because of that, I, I got extremely passionate about the language. And that made me think, like, I always had a little idea about making an exchange to another country. But on the quarantine was when I really realized that I should come here, should come to the United States. So my journey started on there. I start to search places, talk to Americans to really see which places are good for my major. And I made, like, a list of five places, more or less, to choose where I'm coming. But you see Charlotte, like, the architecture program of here, showed all the difference, like, only good things. It's a very artistic program. They right. see it more like artist and less about, like, you being a robot to make a house, all the same.
0: And I can see very much, just from some conversations about architecture with you, where that would you know, kind of draw you in and make you much more interested in pursuing a career because, first and foremost, you're an artist, right? Mm. You, know, you see architecture as plying your art. It's not necessarily a trade, right? You're not building the house. You're not the construction worker. You're not the engineer. You know, the vision is yours.
1: Exactly. And um,
0: That's what draws you here.
1: Exactly. My way of expression has always been visual. Um, when I want to understand even a feeling, I put on paper, I make something very visual that for me makes all sense. Right. And this kind of thing makes you creative enough to just create something from the zero. When I say create, it's not exactly like really, really from the zero because everybody needs to know something behind, like inspire yourself in other works. It's impossible to create something through nothing, but it's still... Being creative helps a lot you to put all the little pieces you wanted over something.
0: Right, right, right. And that's really the crux of art, isn't
1: it? Yeah. So. (laughs) So, um, talking about the process to get here, I struggled a lot. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. It was difficult. Every single step I did, I found some problem because... (laughs) I so I have the magical condition of ADHD.
0: ADHD. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I still am kind of bad pronounced it. Totally fine. So for me, I'm really bad with deadlines. So. Oh, <laughs> oh,
0: I see where this is going.
1: I almost lost the deadline of applying to the college, to the university. I almost lost the deadline to apply to architecture program. (laughs) So
0: architecture has a separate application process. I'm a a business major. I didn't have to apply to the the business school.
1: Yeah, like for you getting an architecture program or even arts program, since it's very different here, like I said, it's a huge program. You need to have a portfolio of your work. So it's very crucial to you to be like a creative and have something to offer to them to they as accept you.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Makes sense, makes sense. <laughs> I can imagine a second deadline to apply to your major was only more stressful.
1: Yeah, I'm really bad with deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> but everything went well. I actually... Uh, <laughs> End up some, like really finishing my application one day after the deadline, but they understood why that happened and they let me in. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and after that, like a lot of more little problems, like um, getting my visa, finding where to stay, because when I actually applied for housing, I don't even had a place inside the university. Right. So imagine, like, yourself in a whole new country and you can't even really live on the university.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) So you're in off-campus housing right now. I am. Yikes, yikes, yikes. (laughs) Well.
1: Yeah, like, my apartment's good, but I have some little problems with the place.
0: Yeah, that happens sometimes. (laughs) That happens from time to time. Yeah. So, you know, what... Tell me a little bit about, you know, what was your life like in Brazil? Because I, I feel like, and this is something that I think Brazil has a very unique quality in that I feel like Brazil is probably the most stereotyped and simultaneously misunderstood country on the face of the earth. Because, you know, you walk up to um, to any American and you say, like, well, you know, what does Brazil mean? They just say, like, oh, you know, it's soccer and hot chicks. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know toucans and and parrots and like americana and you know like
1: yeah how do you
0: feel about some of those stereotypes can you confirm or deny any of that
1: most of them are totally wrong yeah (laughs) even more like um brazilian body like of course that's our pattern of beauty but that doesn't mean that most of chicks will be like this (laughs) yeah
0: it's it's very um very sexualized i think in the united states like this idea of like Brazil and Latin passion. It's very. Yeah.
1: And people here have a little problem of like really seeing that we are actually very mixed and we have all kinds of people like you. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about that. People already even asked like, um, if I'm from Brazil, why I don't have like any traces of being Pardo or anything like this?
0: Just for the audience, what does Pardo mean?
1: It's like in Brazil, it's kind of hard to explain really explain races, because this is kind of historical. Back then, it was a good thing to try to make your family look whiter. That will really sound really bad, and it is really bad.
0: So it's like a social convention that people wanted to look yeah. more white.
1: Like, I think this is very, you can see it a lot in South America. They, It's so not even our, our historical books, like, that was a problem because people saw like marrying white people to make your kids whiter, like improving your race. My what God. It's horrible. That's yeah. That's terrible. I know. So for us, it's very hard to just look to someone and say, like, you're black or you're not, because everybody's completely mixed. And we have a lot of different names to explain every single pe- person like Pardo, we have Mulatto. We have a lot of different names for these mixes.
0: Now, in Brazil, I know mulatto in the United States is is probably not a word um, you you would ever use. Is that like accepted terminology in Brazil, or is that kind of like a, a slur?
1: Uh, pardo, you mean? Or no, mulatto. Mulatto. It's like. like
0: is that accepted Because I know in the United States you don't use that word.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I think you guys are better about it because. Most people here, it's easier for just, like, say, I am black, I assume, to be like this. Right. And Brazil feels like, even more when you get old people, they still have, like, these racial problems, you know, and they refuse to see ourselves 100% as black.
0: Interesting. So, going back to people in the United States often, you know, ask you, like, this this question, you know, what do you see as, like, the stereotype there? Like, why aren't you part of, like, Tell me more about that.
1: Um, In Brazil, we actually have like a lot of immigrants from Italy and Japan and even like all over the world. We even have like red hairs and everything. So we can't like come here and say I'm Latin so I'm probably black.
0: Everybody assumes that you look Mexican or something like that.
1: Exactly but it's like i said it's learning and if you don't really study that i can't really blame you it's kind of fucked up but since you didn't study i don't have a problem to explain the difference
0: right 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 so about those stereotypes like (laughs) parrots and and rio like what else have you kind of encountered in the united states um or or really just in Brazil, like, do you have anything to say on, on those those things?
1: So, first of all, it's not everybody that likes soccer. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> yeah. Bra- Brazilians
0: aren't born with a soccer ball in their life. I really thought that was part of the, the process. <laughs> You're just born with a soccer ball.
1: Of course, like, we're very proud even more when it's, like, World Cup. Yeah. Everybody watches and everybody cheer up, even the ones that don't like football. Or, oh, I mean, soccer. I'm still <laughs> getting used to call it you soccer. You can call it that. In Brazil, f- football it's soccer, and American football it's football. Right. So, for me, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but for, like, when you're on high school and you have gym, you are kind of obligated to play f- soccer. So, everybody knows how to play, but it's not everybody that likes.
0: Right, right. I mean, that's not dissimilar to the United States in a lot of ways. Another stereotype that I hear a lot about Brazil is that, um, you know, is the... Uh, the the Rio de Janeiro stereotype, like that everything is like Rio um, oh. and everything, you know.
1: First of all, our capital is not Rio. It's Brasilia. A lot of people <laughs> think
0: it's Rio.
1: Yeah. I still can't believe that. Most of people ask like if it's Rio or São Paulo and it's not. It's not. <laughs> no. It's like people
0: asking if the capital of the United States is New York or Chicago.
1: Yeah. It's basically if I said that.
0: Different ballgame.
1: And I think it's kind of funny even when they ask, like, why do I speak Portuguese and not Spanish?
0: (laughs) Do you you really get that question? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe that.
1: Yeah. Our colonization was by Portugal. So, guys, if you're listening, we speak Portuguese. (laughs) All
0: right. All right. That Um, probably will educate some members of the audience.
1: Yeah. And... It's basically like if you ask me why do you speak Portuguese, it's the same if I ask, like, why do you speak English if your name is not Inglaterra? <laughs> right. right. In- England. Inglaterra. England. Inglaterra is in Portuguese. Oh, all right. Understand. I gotcha. I gotcha. It <laughs> happens sometimes. Yeah. My brains kind of mix it up sometimes.
0: Learning two languages is like that. You get them all, all mixed up all the time, don't you?
1: Yeah. And it's really fun. Imagine, like, a dream, and in your dream is two languages.
0: So when you say that, when you dream in two languages, do you. Are they mixed? Like, do they, do you, do you have like English and Portuguese sentences? Like, um, you know, you follow English e you sodo America or something like
1: that. <laughs> Your Portuguese is really good. Thank you. And um, it's more like if I'm dreaming with people, like friends that I have in Brazil, if I'm dreaming about them, I'm talking Portuguese. But the moment someone that it's my friend here show up on my dream, I start to speak English. Interesting. And it's very confusing for my brain because there's a lot of words that have the same meaning. That makes sense. Like, right. different words, like one in Portuguese and another in English, with the same meaning. So, I need to really try to separate them sometimes because, for me, I can mix the entire phrase. Give me an example. Eu vou sleep hoje... That's funny. When I need to think that doesn't so so natural, but yeah, <laughs> that happens yeah. quite a lot.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Learning languages <laughs> is a really, really interesting topic. It's one that I myself am quite interested in as well. You know, learning those different styles of communication. Because one thing, you know, I've learned when I'm learning a target language is I'll dream and I'll think in that target language when I get proficient enough. But it'll be very small things, like, I'll say, I think that in my mind in another language.
1: Yeah. When you start to really think about the language, to talk about the language, when you don't need to make, like, the translation on your mind, that makes you much, like, clearer about what you're talking.
0: Right. It's like the words in the language that you're learning assume an intrinsic value outside of just the translation. Because I think a a big problem with... um, like learning another language and something that blocks a lot of people up is they get so stuck translating, let's say Portuguese to English. Let's say I'm an English speaker. I want to learn Portuguese and I'm speaking, attempting to speak Portuguese, but I have to stop and translate every Portuguese word to English. It's a lot quicker if the Portuguese words just have intrinsic value in my mind. You know, those neural pathways kind of get built. How long did it take you to learn English?
1: So I can say that I got kind of fluent in six months.
0: Six months from zero.
1: Yeah, and if you want, I can give you like some advice Okay, <laughs> about that's, how I did it.
0: If you're telling the truth, that's extremely impressive.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I think that pretty much anyone can do it.
0: Right, humans are meant to pick up languages. It's yeah. kind of a natural device that we. So uh, I'm dying to hear this. Six months, zero to fluency advice hit me.
1: (laughs) So, for first, don't really... I didn't really have classes. Hmm. I tried to learn like a kid. That means watch stuff, talk to people that doesn't talk Portuguese. Like, don't be afraid to just go there and text someone. (laughs) Right. Just (laughs) Um, text an English speaker. Yeah, exactly. And do your best to talk. I use a lot of Google Translate to some words.
0: (laughs) Right. That's how you learn.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, a little kid learns hearing people talking and then trying to make the same. That's how I learned. Learning
0: through imitation and and shadowing, right? Exactly. It's also how you help with, you know, accents. Like, when I'm learning a new language, I use this this app called Pimsleur. I think it's a fantastic app. Um, And the way that it works is... You know, it's 30 minutes a day, audio lessons, but it just drills into your head the exact pronunciation of what you're trying to learn. Um, and speaking with people is a very, very useful,
1: useful exactly. way to do that. No, it, it's very useful. Like, how more you can really talk to people or listen. Just for you, like, go to Netflix, choose, like, a series that you like, but and put, like, the audio and the subtitles in another language.
0: So both the audio, so let's say that you, native Portuguese speaker, want to learn English. And so you would watch Breaking Bad. Let's just say, for example, I don't know if you're a fan of that show, but <laughs> you'd watch that show with English subtitles and English audio exactly. as opposed to Portuguese subtitles and Portuguese audio. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. If you want to learn a language, it would be much easier if you put both on that language. Really? Even more, start choosing a series or a movie that you already use it like one movie that you already watched, and you know what's going to happen this way that helps your brain to make like a connection between the two languages and you learn some words really quickly
0: interesting so like I don't know, one of my favorite movies is the mummy with brendan Fraser. right <laughs> such a such a good movie Never that's, that's a, it. i'm sorry yeah you need to need to fix that
1: (laughs) let's do it someday Uh, maybe
0: but (laughs) anyways lost my train of thought for a second
1: (laughs) don't worry anyways
0: (laughs) so going back to you know linguistics linguistics is you know it's a super interesting field because of that acquisition device that we have you know i think learning languages is you know as a skill is a skill really unlike any other um, because it's something that humans are built to do, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Language is how we pass everything from person to person, and it's something that, you know, communication is not totally unique to humans. Other humans communicate. are dialects, like, for example, I don't know if you knew this, but cows, the way that they moo is different based on what cows they hang around. So it's like they have their own little cow languages, but <laughs> a complex, codified grammatically correct language that is written and spoken, that's a uniquely human thing. And that's kind of what allows us to have uh, abstract thinking and share those abstract thoughts with other people. And it's super important. Um, and I think for that reason, humans can learn languages um, at, a, at a startling rate. Right? Like you can teach a parrot 100 words. You can teach a parrot 200 words. You can teach a human 15,000 words and more. A human who speaks five languages fluently, of which there have been plenty in history. You know, you're looking at people who have vocabularies, 60, 70,000 individual words, not even including conjugations and things like that.
1: Communication is very important. Very. Talk to, to each one and really learn more stuff. But one thing that's very important for you that want to learn a new language, don't go thinking you're going to learn all the words fast. You won't. It, it's impossible. that's human really It's really impossible. I don't know every word. and I can say that I am fluent because I can exp- explain the words that I don't know with the words I know.
0: Mm, that's a very interesting measure. So Did you don't come beat up with yourself. that yourself. What? Did you come up with that yourself?
1: Yeah, kind of clever. <laughs>
0: I like it. I like that.
1: So basically don't beat yourself if you forget a word when you're talking in another language don't really, that it's not going to help you.
0: Right, makes sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's very interesting, like, how open we are to really learn this kind of stuff. You just need to take that like, like on your mind to go and pick up new language.
0: Right. It's, well, I mean, it's like a device for acquisition, really. You, you yeah. just acquire the language. That's why a lot of people use the language, you know, acquiring a language. So, changing the subject a little bit <laughs> there is one thing you know about brazil that i'm kind of curious about and i wanted to kind of gauge you know what you thought about it a lot oh, of people have, have this image of brazil um and this goes for every developing country people have an image of developing countries that everybody just kind of lives in slums right
1: oh yeah and
0: in america i think that's a huge um stereotype that we generally apply to brazil is like Everybody lives in these, you know, quote-unquote favelas. It's, it's like a stereotype that people yeah. use. What do you think of that?
1: It's a really bad stereotype. If you ever know a Brazil, don't make a joke about it because it's something very serious. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's not true. Like, of course, a, l- a big part of the population is considered, like, not so well with money. But you can't say that we all live <laughs> in favelas. It's even kind of funny to me that it some people really think that. And a lot of people think it. Yeah. That's like crazy for me. We're not just jungles people. <laughs> um like I can talk about my experience. I live in a really nice condominium that my house there it's much bigger than a lot of houses here. Right. So you can't like grab one part part of the city and say that that's how the city looks like. That right. makes sense. Even so, here. Every single place here has a good place, like a healthy part of the city and a part that needs help.
0: Like a like wealthy and not wealthy basically. Exactly. So what I'm kinda gathering is that income disparity is a lot larger in Brazil than necessarily um just everyone is poor. Like it's you have an income disparity problem. And when I say income disparity I mean like you have a group of people who are really, really, like, I wouldn't say, like, really, really rich, but, you know, well-off, and exactly. a group of people who are, you know, kind of lower on that that spectrum. Um,
1: exactly. It's it's like this in every part of the world. Right. It's bad for someone think that, like, it's like this here, but in no, it's not like any other place of the world. It's not true. Right. It's very similar. Um, and... Um, you, about the difference of society, it, it's it's yes. In Brazil, you can actually really see the difference much more than here because of, there is a very famous picture that was like a very very rich hotel, like with a very big building, right next to a favela, and you can see like even feels like someone made the picture and don't feels real, but it is feels painted. Yeah, literally feels like. The entire place it's cutted by a line reach and not reach
0: right, so does that cause like i mean obviously that's that's a huge divide in Brazil. you know, can you speak a little bit to like where you see that divide manifesting
1: um, it's basically like i I am used like I will talk about my experience because for Please. me it's easier to to explain what yeah. I'm thinking um I have. I will say I have two different groups of people. Some of them need to clean the house themselves, need to do all the work, need to actually work to have money. And some other just live with the parents' money and that's okay. I'm not saying that that's a problem. If, if you was born with opportunities, you need to grab it. But I'm saying that it is different and the, we can't deny that. And when you walk with these two kind of people, you s- live in two different worlds at the same time. Right. Because some things that it's not even a problem for some, it is a big problem to others.
0: Interesting.
1: And um, basically, the important thing is that... Um, what I was going to say? I got ca- I got a blank space on my mind right now. Wait.
0: <laughs> it's alright. Take your time. Um, the
1: important, th- the important thing is not like think that you're better than someone because of it. Mm, because that something that is hugely that y- important. Exactly. Because if it's something that you didn't need to work yourself to get, you can't say that you're better than anyone for having.
0: Right. Because you you have to. Um, I mean, everybody's kind of dealt a hand of cards, right? You know, coming up. And for instance, you know, if you're a poker player and you get dealt. A royal flush, you're I mean that that round's pretty much in the bag, no matter if you're good or if you're bad. Um, you know, for instance, Tony Hawk, pro (laughs) skater. You know who that is? Tony Hawk? Um, Skater boy? Yeah. Yeah. I I have some idea. He played a this is super interesting. He played a match (laughs) one time and it was against some pro poker players, like professional, the the best of the best of the best, sir with honors. And he won. Wow. (laughs) And that just goes to show you that the hand you're dealt like is extremely important. And when you're dealt a good hand, you have a responsibility to use it well. And when you're dealt a bad hand, you also have a responsibility to use it as well as you can. Exactly. But you can, at the end of the day, you can utilize a good hand more than you can utilize a bad hand.
1: Exactly. We need to agree that it's not exactly fair, but you can't complain about it and put like, Everything that you need to do on top of that.
0: Life's not fair. Exactly. And and that's you know kind of the the ugly truth of life is that life is not fair and it never will be and there's nothing you can do to make it fair.
1: Exactly. Make things work in a way that you can make things work. Right. You know.
0: And income disparity is a very unfortunate but very real demonstrator that life isn't fair.
1: Exactly.
0: And when when you see. I don't know about you, but when I see pictures like the one you were talking about with the, the hotel right next to the favela, you know I, that's the first thing that pops into my life is, damn, life's yeah. not fair.
1: Exactly. I, I keep imagining, like, when I look to that picture, the first thing I think it's like, imagine someone that actually lives on the favela looking to the hotel. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? Why am I not there?
0: Exactly. Like, what did you do to deserve that? And I can imagine, you know... I don't know about people who would be in that hotel but you know if I was staying in that hotel and I looked down I'd feel kind of terrible about myself because you know look at all this opulence that I have all this stuff um that I really don't need and I'm looking down at at people you know maybe metaphorically maybe physically that um that don't have things that I could so easily give them without really exactly. suffering so much I mean it's just a a difficult situation.
1: And that's okay to feel that that way, you know? It's yeah. emotions. It's human emotion. If you feel that something is unfair, of course you're going to feel kind of anger. Right. You know? It's impossible to do not.
0: Right. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a highly complicated issue.
1: And honestly, like even if we put a lot of money on there, the money education from there is not that good, you know? They need we need to actually like teach our kids since the beginning how to work with money to grow on life and depending if you have money or not because if you put a bunch of money on like let's get an example someone that's living on the streets by now if you put a bunch amount of money which bank this person is going to put she doesn't have an account she doesn't the person doesn't know what to do with the money
0: right and that's something that is a huge barrier to people who are this is why education is so, so important. You know, I think education is a society's best way of, of frankly equalizing itself, you know, arming people with the knowledge and the mindset of, of how to actually, you know, work with the hand you're dealt. And the problem is, you know, when you come from generational poverty, that's one of the reasons generational poverty is so difficult to escape is that, you know, you don't have parents who can just teach you exactly exactly how to use that money that's not to say you can't do it there are lots of people who you know came out of poverty and uh and were highly successful you know um you know trace anyone's family back like i know speaking from mine you know trace my family back a couple generations and my family was coming from poverty um and that applies to a lot of people not everybody comes from from wealth and at some point someone has to learn those things and that's difficult that's a hard barrier to cross
1: and i have a good example from brazil of how important is this indication? Tell me. So, a long time ago, they created something named Bolsa Familia.
0: Family purse. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Family purse. That mean, that means, like, if you prove that you don't have money to raise a kid, but you get a kid, the government is going to give some amount of money. And when, like, people that doesn't know how to work with money saw that, they're like, oh, my God, I'm having a lot of kids. And they did it. But Really? They did it. People did that. Yeah. But the, after doing that, they realized that the money wasn't even enough for one kid. Imagine for a, a lot of them.
0: And so now you just have this kind of demographic explosion that can't necessarily be paid for.
1: Exactly.
0: That's dangerous. That's this, See, this is one of the reasons education is just so, so important.
1: Like, you need... To work yourself, to not choose the easy way because sometimes the easy way it's not easy.
0: Yeah, like what appears to be easy is not easy.
1: Exactly. These people thought like, "I'm having a kid and I get money. Simple."
0: Right. Win-win. Maybe. Yeah. And then it is not.
1: Exactly. So they they saw themselves in a even worse thing that they were before. You know. Right. So yeah.
0: So, what is, I'm 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 curious, you said you kind of live in, like, a nicer area of Brazil. What does your family do for for a living?
1: So, my my parents, like, more my dad have a car dealership, and both of them work conf- on these car dealerships. It's actually more than one. So, my life, is built of selling cars. <laughs> right. <laughs> and since I'm very younger, my parents ever talked about money with me, because they always thought it was important. And... Uh, it's it's hard. It's not easy to, like, ruin a company. It's it, the, the real thing is that they actually put more time and energy and money than other people that just work there.
0: You, you have to outwork your competition, basically. Exactly. Or you have to have a million-dollar idea, right?
1: Exactly. And honestly, if you're ever going to start a business, I saw my dad doing it so much times. But if you're ever going to start a business, you need to know that probably you're going to lose money for the beginning. Yeah. Like a lot of money until you start to make money.
0: I have heard that before. Don't expect to make profits in your first year. My granddad uh, runs a driver's ed school. He's he's an entrepreneur. And I believe he told me that one time is when you're starting a business, you're going to do nothing but lose money for the first year at least. Yep, and at least. that's that's natural. You need some capital to get started. It's one of the things that makes starting a business so difficult is the capital or money resources that you need to get started is just immense oftentimes
1: exactly and if you put yourself to think like my dad started only with an of to fix cars and now he sells cars so don't be afraid to try to make changes but at the same time be careful
0: yeah for sure like Um,
1: don't jump in the dark but jump
0: Jump, right, exactly. <laughs> and you had to take quite a jump to come here. I'm sure yeah. I mean, that was scary, right?
1: It's still being scary, you know. It's still very in the beginning, and I'm still making friends, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Naturally, naturally, naturally. Um, but everybody here is very nice, very they've been very like open to me,
0: yeah. So One thing that I kind of wanted to tackle as well on this podcast is um, can you tell me a little bit about because I feel like a lot of Americans don't really have a good grasp on you know what Brazilian culture because we're we're somewhat familiar with like Latin culture Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of Americans just lump it all up to Mexico right like Mexico is like (laughs) is like the gold standard I guess that everybody kind of measures Latin culture up to and people tend to view South America as if it is the same thing when in reality it is not it's not even exactly close so um, tell me a little bit about you know what would you like the average American to know about Brazilian culture
1: okay like let me give mis- let, me, let me give you some examples you can tell but stories if you want to. I need to be very clear not everything that I'm going to say applies to every place. Because okay. Brazil, Disclaimer. every single part of Brazil has a different culture because it's a very big place. It's like if I said that everybody's like here in America, like and like everybody's the same people as they are in this city, and you compare it to Texas, it's not the same,
0: right? You know, there's so two thousand miles. Away. I
1: I will talk about my experience, but don't take it a hundred percent as true.
0: I'll take it as true, but maybe not all-inclusive. Exactly. Th- that's yeah, what I right. meant. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so basically, living in a country city of in the state of São Paulo, <laughs> we basically, like, people in Brazil are very friendly to you. If you show, like, you have um, a problem, they probably will try to help you. So they are very open. So that's something that, uh, that it's kind of like it's here, but with some differences. For example, eating time. In Brazil, if you're eating anything, even if it's a small thing and you're someone by your side that it's not eating anything, we share. Like, we at least say, like, do you want some? When you need to say. It's, it's like a, a cultural, cultural thing, thing. Yeah. exactly. It's like, if we don't do that, we basically understand that I have a bad education. Hmm. Um, what more, uh, most of us always wait People to go to the table to eat. Like if I have my plate on the table, but my friends is still coming to the table, I wait and just start to eat. Right. It's about like in share food. We we very yeah we very like about sharing food. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, what more? Uh, ages for example. Here the age for driving it's sixteen. Um, age for drinking twenty one. But in Brazil, all this age is eighteen. So you can drink with hmm. eighteen, but you only can drive with eighteen years.
0: Interesting. So you just there's really just one adult threshold because man, in the United States, you know, you can you can buy a rifle or join the military to be a fighter pilot and fly a fifty million dollar piece of equipment at eighteen. You cannot have a Budweiser. <laughs> Do not have a Budweiser, you can be arrested.
1: Yep. In, in Brazil, with alcohol, they're actually not so good to control it, mm. and so it's like the age is eighteen, but I know a lot of people that started with fourteen.
0: <laughs> fourteen? Wow. Yeah. So. And
1: in Brazil, it's very hard to control because the illegal thing, it's you to buy.
0: I guess there's kind of a like a party culture in Brazil, or is that another yeah. stereotype? It's
1: like the parties in Brazil are very different. Like uh-huh. here, it's more about conversation like everybody stand up and talk to each other. Right. And in Brazil a party if it doesn't have dance it's not a party.
0: Right. What do you mean dance?
1: Music and literally dance. Like we have choreographies for random music.
0: Okay, so are we talking like line dancing or like kind of all like types,
1: depends of the party.
0: All right.
1: But has to be has to have dance. Even right. more for girls. Girls normally just go to parties to dance. And drink a bit, but mostly a it bit. depends. <laughs> a bit? Depends of the girl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but tell me more. Like, So what's the high school experience like in Brazil? Like, you know, being a teenager, what's that?
1: Um, basically, like, I grew up watching American movies, so I thought that, that it don't really existed. <laughs> Until I come here and see that it actually exists a bit, like hear people talking about high school here. In Brazil, it's very different. High school in Brazil feels more like a uh, university here. Right. Everybody, like, treats everybody fine. Like, bullies are much more harder for you to see. Because in Brazil, if you bully someone, the person will understand that uh, she, the person can mess up with you, too. It's a joke. Yeah.
0: It's like an ironic, sarcastic thing. Exactly. Because I know in America, one thing that is really prominent in our high schools is cliques. We call it cliques. Like, people click up the moment they get to, man, I see freshmen doing this all the time when I come to college. It (laughs) drives me nuts. But I see, um, like, the first thing people do is they find, like, a group of six guys, and then one of them is always, like, the leader, and they all just follow (laughs) the leader through high school. It's, like, a trend. It's, like, um, you know, people click up, and, and you don't, like, talk to people from other cliques for the most part unless you're, like, that one guy. It's, like, prison.
1: You know what vibe that takes for me? Tell me. The little ducks following the mom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the leader, of the, f- the the cool guy, the leader of the friend group is like the mom and then all yeah. the other high schoolers <laughs> who want to fit in are like the little ducklings.
1: And this is like kind of hard for me to believe because in, in Brazil it's like the jokes are much more heavy than mm. the jokes here. Like we make fun of things that we should not. Really? But people don't take serious. Like never. So it's, it's very hard for someone here to really offend me. The person needs to be very specific to offend me. Right. And here, like, even simple things, things that was not supposed for you to feel offended, like that's a joke or something so silly and so dumb that it, it's hard to care. And I already saw people getting, like, offended by simple things. Interesting. So basically, like you guys don't like when people mess up with you for us, it's like we don't care, mess up, and I will mess up with you,
0: right, so it's a little bit more intense, but it's more um equitable, maybe yeah, exactly yeah, that makes sense. it makes perfect sense
1: like I can't really say to you if i that I really meet like a bully, like that guy that mess up with other guys and everything right, because even the nerds like if you call it or not. Because in Brazil, it's hard to define this stuff. Even the people that were actually intelligent, they made more fun of the popular ones. Like, I say popular, but it's not exactly popular. They make more fun of, like, the popular ones than the popular make fun of them.
0: Right, right. I can <laughs> I can kind of see that just from, from what you're talking about here.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I it, The high school there, a good vibe. And... Honestly, like to get in colleges, they are much different than here. Here, also. everything you do in high school matters, every single grade, like on, on high school. There doesn't matter, like at all. You can really? do bullshit. So you just <laughs> um,
0: do nothing. So how do you, how do colleges choose who to select?
1: You do a test. That's just it. That. That's it. That's it. That's it.
0: So even for like good universities, like really good universities, like yeah,
1: it's a ridiculously big test, but it's still just a test.
0: So, if you score well at the test, you're in. Yeah. What about admissions essays? Do you need to write an essay?
1: On the test that has an essay.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> it's like everything together in one thing.
0: Interesting.
1: And the best colleges in Brazil are actually public. Really? You only get in if you get a scholarship, basically that.
0: I see, because in the United States, it's kind of considered to be the opposite. You know, you have your Duke University, Harvard University, Um, you know.
1: Yeah. Those here. kinds of institutions that are considered the best. Here, very young, you guys start to like join money to put your kids in own college.
0: But in Brazil, it's free.
1: No, in Brazil, like you stud your ass off to be able to get in, or pay and not pay. If you gotcha. get in a public one, you don't you don't pay.
0: Well, we have somewhat of a similar system here, where like scholarships, but it's much l- much less assured. Like there's yeah. no test score or GPA that will get you a scholarship.
1: There is still still exists scholarships. But the public ones doesn't even exist because it's for free.
0: Right. Interesting, interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm, I actually have like a cousin. You know that cousin that it's ridiculously smart and people compare you to the cousin. <laughs> um
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking so
1: about. So I have some very smart cousins that even get in like the most difficult medicine college possible. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, happily, they don't really compare me to this person. Yeah. But it's like really hard. It's like the level of like you finish the high school, you stay like two years studying in a different like courses to be, be able to get in, and then right. you get in. But it's for free.
0: Interesting. But it just is more time consuming, more time commitment. You see, that's, I, I like that system. Um, I like that system because it rewards merit as yeah. opposed necessarily to money. Now, the United States system awards merit too, but in order for that merit to show through, you kind of have to have money unless you're really, really good. So it kind of does give that inherent advantage to you know, to money, to cash flow. Right?
1: Exactly. It's like if you're smart and you're taking the series, you don't need to pay.
0: Right, right. Makes sense.
1: But... At the same time, are better points here, too, about college. Because college in Brazil, you still can't choose what you're studying. Like, you choose your major and they make, like, a list of classes that you need. Right. And you don't choose when or who is the teacher. So don't you can't, anything. there's no electives. There's exactly. no elective system. No elective. Like, there is elective system, but it's like, choose one class.
0: Yikes. Yeah. Because here you, you choose every single class. Pretty exactly. Much. You fill out your day.
1: That's even kind of funny because last, like on the on the quarantine that was like a gossip about like they changing something on the government that would make high schools in Brazil be more like high schools here that you choose. But we discovered it was actually a lie because they did create the system. But the school just like no, I'm choosing. It, so not they just allowed refused. To. Yeah, they just refused. Like they just changed the name of the system.
0: Huh. How interesting.
1: (laughs) Sounds like school
0: in Brazil versus the United States is drastically, drastically different.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Like very, very different.
1: Yeah. Like here you have so different classes from each other that you make friends in different classes. That makes sense. Yeah. You don't really stood the entirety time with the same people.
0: Right. Whereas in Brazil, so like even in university you're just moving in a block. Yeah, you like have all your classes
1: people? on the same building, on the same, on the same class.
0: That's crazy.
1: Like, the teachers change the place, not you.
0: Absolutely mind-blowing. Wow. Well, <laughs> that is super weird. So far, great conversation. Um, before we close out, I'm just going to ask you, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about right now? Like, what's running through your head? Um, but, you know, before we close out the podcast, what would you like people to know? Mm-hmm. Anything at all?
1: Let me think. I don't know exactly how to answer that, but I can say that, I'm, that it was my pleasure to be here <laughs> <Of> course, <laughs> and I really enjoyed. But basically, I think what you could take about these conversations, like be smart about money and take serious college because college is future. <laughs> stay in school, kids. <laughs> exactly. Basically. Stay in school.
0: <laughs> what about about Brazil? Anything else you're thinking about? Anything else mm. that you want to talk about or find interesting?
1: Um, I have some things on my mind about, Mm -hmm. like, different things. It's like, here, there is something here that I wish was more like in Brazil. Like, for example, about sexual harassment. Because here, some things that you do, like, you just go arrested. Like, if you mess up with girls, you can be arrested just for that. In Brazil, it's much more hard. We have some problem with consent sometimes. Like you're in a party, the normal way of a guy hitting on you, it's like grab your face and kiss you.
0: Just without asking? Yeah.
1: You just, without that's... without conversation. You don't know the guy.
0: So you just don't random guy just walks up to you and just
1: Exactly. And yeah. they normally only respect that you don't want if you say, like, I have a boyfriend and the boyfriend's going to be bad with you. Seriously? Seriously. And this that like fucking it's something sucks. Yeah, that's something that need to change, but <laughs> At the same time, about like relationships, we have some good points. Like, um, if I'm dating someone, I can hold hands, like in public, kiss the person in public. And public
0: displays of affection exactly, are more normal.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: Here in the United States, it's not. I wouldn't say it's frowned upon necessarily, but it's just weird. You know, it's yeah. not a normal thing to do. You might hold hands, but like, kiss in public is, is people, you know, It turns heads. You know?
1: Exactly. In Brazil, we don't. It's completely normal. Mm,
0: that's pretty <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I, I prefer how things are here because of all the first thing I said. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah.
0: It's like consent is a, a very, very important yeah.
1: thing. Consent is one of the most important things about a relationship, or any relationship. That's the only thing that have.
0: makes a relationship. Without consent, there is no relationship.
1: Exactly, exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds
0: like there is definitely a little bit of give and take there. hmm Well.
1: I wanted to bring this for the end of the conversation to just... I have some values. One of them, it's like be smart, don't get out of college. And this other one, like, consent. Be responsible with consent in be general. Be responsible.
0: Be a good fucking person.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well... I think that's a good taste to leave with the audience. Be a good fucking person. If you're listening (laughs) to this podcast, be a good person. Don't be an asshole. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the cast, Vitaria.
1: Thank you very much, Wyatt. Been a pleasure. Pleasure.